Hi, everybody, and welcome to Mecha Dragon, a podcast about all the geeky and nerdy stuff you love. Brought to you by Captain Geek and the Dark Nerd. I'm your Captain Will. And I'm your nerd, Jess. Today, we are talking The Mandalorian, episode six, The Prisoner. So, uh, spoiler alert, uh, if I even have to say that at this point. Hide your baby Yodas. Unfortunately, this time we do not have Cammy joining us, so we are uh, secretly crying on she the inside. She had an unfortunate incident involving a womp rat. Yeah, yeah, those those dang womp rats. She should be okay and uh, all healed up for the next episode, though. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, send your get well cards and uh, and everything like that to uh, Tatooine. We miss you, Cammy. We miss you, Cammy. So, uh, with that said, let's get right into it. So, the prisoner... First of all, I am aware that there is a segment of the fandom that is very frustrated with this in the previous episode because it's apparently not furthering uh, the plot that they want them to further. Right. Um, I'll just say that my stance is that there is plot happening during these episodes. It just may not be the plot that you particularly want to see at this moment. Mm -hmm. And I'm just along for the ride and really enjoying the ride. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I know exactly why people are uh, upset with it, frustrated. But at the same time, while the story isn't rocketing forward at even a fast snail's pace, um, they seem to be kind of ignoring it, almost. Uh, but there is basically the realization has set in with me now that this first season is really just to introduce all the main characters and kind of the people that are going to be set up for season two. It's basically just a team building thing. Well, you know, I I think to some degree that's probably right. I, I think the plot that people are talking about that they want to be the main component of these episodes is they want to further, they want to see more of the overarching plot with, the, the Yoda baby right. and the client and, like, what's going on there. So and, many questions. And, and I have questions, and I want to see that too, but I'm also very happy just spending time with those characters as they go through, you know, the galaxy trying to survive and, and so on. And frankly, I, I feel like it's just it's developing these characters, and it's also giving us this great glimpse of what, the galaxy is like at this point in time when the mm-hmm. new republic is just getting started like five years after return of the jedi and so i really appreciate that world building part of it and everything that's happening at least for me is so engaging that i'm still totally happy with it i, I really yeah. try personally not to ahead of time say this is what i really need these episodes to be and then get upset if that's not what they are I'm not saying that's what everybody is doing that is unhappy with these episodes. I'm just saying that that's my general philosophy on how I approach, you know, any given show. And so far, I'm just I'm just really pleased with this show. So I kind of wanted to talk about that up front just because I know there are a lot of people that uh, ha- have this opinion. And so it just kind of gives you some context as to where, you know, we're coming from. Yeah. And like I said, I, I agree with them in where they're coming from. But I agree with you in that I, too, am just thrilled to have another um, 28 to 37 minutes of some <laughs> kick-ass Star Wars. 
Isn't it more like 43 minutes every episode? I believe the, this episode was around 26 or 28 minutes. No way. I think so. 28. Okay, I'm going to look because that seems it does seem a wrong. little short. Just a little short. Because I was watching it on Disney Plus on my laptop here. All right, so let's see. So this was episode six. Maybe there was 28 minutes left, but that doesn't seem right. The Prisoner. And this, uh, the runtime is 30 minutes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Maybe it just felt like longer because I was so into it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I just Googled Mandalorian episode six runtime. And the very first thing was Forbes. Why are we getting short 27-minute episodes of Mandalorian? Well, you know, I, I think I actually don't mind it. Because even though I really would like to have more episode per episode right right i I feel like what they're doing is they're saying here's the story and we're going to take exactly the amount of minutes that is needed to tell that story without any filler Mm -hmm. uh and without you know artificially extending it because then you you do run into a lot of story problems i think it's like in a book you know sometimes you have a short chapter sometimes you have a long chapter but still sometimes it does kind of feel get a little cheated I, I wonder, though... Because it didn't um, feel like 27 how, minutes. Yeah. So, let's see. So, episode 7, how long is that one going to be? Um, again, 30 minutes. I wonder if the final episode will be extra long. Like um, three hours. And then people, oh, it's too long. My butt goes numb. <laughs> Let me see if I can... Um, uh, no, they, they don't seem to have announced that. So, I would guess that they're going to give us a longer season finale that would just make sense to me but the other thing you got to remember is this show is crazy expensive oh yeah crazy expensive yeah yeah i mean it looks i mean it's right i mean the, the production value is right up there with any of the movies really and speaking of that there was a, a topic i wanted to touch on uh lightly mm-hmm. that deals with that entirely um sure. baby yoda is mm. so adorable and it's like a lot of times when you're looking at Baby Yoda and he'll like blink or move his head, it's almost like he's a little Chuck E. Cheese animatronic, you know, doll or robot, whatever. And it's like it almost doesn't look natural. And it's like if you're putting all that extra money and all the special effects in, you might have been just a little more smidge of special effects on Baby Yoda. Because sometimes just the way he moves and blinks, it seems mechanical. That's really interesting because, yeah. you know, I, I I think it's an age-old, you know, as, as far back as these type of effects go, argument about, like, do you use the practical effect, which right. would be the puppet, or do you use the visual effects, which would be the digital effects? And I, I heard this story from somebody about, you know, Werner Herzog, who played uh, who played the, uh, the client. Mm-hmm about how he had this conversation with uh, one of the directors, or maybe it was even John Favreau, where they were leaning more in the direction of using the digital effects uh, a lot more often, which they've used both, by the way. And uh, he, like, took the director aside and, like, called him a coward for not wanting to use the puppet <laughs> more because the puppet was so amazing. And, you, you know, that's where we get... disappointed in yourself. <laughs> and that's where we got, you know, Yoda from originally was right. this amazing puppetry. So uh, I'm of mixed feelings about it, but I, I don't have... I honestly don't have any problem with any of the baby Yoda no, I don't have a problem shots. with it. I mean, they kind of went the other direction in the later 
slash earlier episodes with the the younger Yoda from mm-hmm. the, the second slash first trilogy. And uh, sometimes that was a, just a little too much CGI. But I think just, just, I don't know, just sometimes he like blinks or moves his head and it's just a little jerky. But that also means if they didn't use that CGI, then that little Yoda doll is that adorable and that <laughs> lifelike in real life. You know, so I, th- I think it's pretty amazing, actually. Yeah. Um, and I think that they do pretty seamlessly, you know, use the practical and the digital, you know, in these episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I have no problem with it at all. Yeah. So that that is really I think it's an interesting argument to have, though. And uh, I'm sure that, you know, they have thought about it exhaustively mm-hmm. in the process of making this show. Um, but it but it is it, it is kind of like a. A timeless argument and I'm actually a fan of when they lean more towards the practical stuff right. because I think when you do the practical stuff really well it has more this, of an achievement it it tends to have a greater air of authenticity like it feels a little bit more like a real object uh, even even though they can do really amazing 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 stuff with VFX these days right it's just my opinion so uh, with that said Let's let's get into the episode. So you know, uh, the Mandalorian lands at this like well, little station. Real quick, in the before we get room. into that, what did you think sure. overall oh, of the episode? You. Like, what was your what did you think about the episode itself? I really liked it. There was it, so it aired on Friday the thirteenth, right? And I I feel that it was an appropriate episode to air on Friday the thirteenth because it had these little like nods to horror films. Hmm, uh, it yeah. Had, yeah. It had like a, a, especially when they're on the, the the prison ship. Yeah. Right. There's so many little things where it was it was leaning a little bit into the horror genre, like with, for example, that shot where it's um, uh, the Mandalorian has cut down like all of the the people that betrayed him except for the last guy, Bill Burr's character. Right. That's <laughs> yeah, got the strobe light effect. And it had the strobe light effect, and then you see when the lights like flash on, Mando like behind him, mm-hmm. and then it flashes again, and he's closer. It flashes again, he's closer, and that flashes again, and he's he's not yeah. there, and he turns around. That was definitely a horror movie. Thing. Yeah, it's like the Weeping Angels, and then Am- it, among other things, and then yeah. it's like the uh, the big uh, Hellboy guy, who's Berg, uh, when he uh, was up in the what do you call it, the rafters above him, or the the ventilation system above him that reminded me of aliens you know when he's walking down below him then he grabs him with his grappling hook thing and grabs him and berg pulls him down through the ceiling what yeah yeah that that was great and um yeah so you were talking about clancy brown uh playing the deveronian the devil looking alien hellboy <laughs> hellboy <laughs> that's the first when he popped up on screen my son's like hellboy <laughs> kind of, yeah. you know. Um, I'm glad to see him still getting work, you know. Yeah. The, uh... And it's like you you see his face and you recognize him instantly. Mm-hmm. And then you look him up and it's like they say, oh, he's known for his roles in Shawshank Redemption and Starship Troopers. It's like, I'm... let's not forget the Highlander. Yeah, it's like that. that's the first two that were listed. I'm like, there, I He's know this guy from a million other things, too. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, Every time I see him, I think there can only be one. Have you uh, seen, uh, <laughs> what was it, Buster Scruggs? 
No, I haven't oh, seen that, by that. the way. I really need to. There's an yeah. awesome scene but, where they're in a bar, and the way he dies is just uh, disgusting and hilarious at the same time. Yeah, as happens. Yeah. So uh, so in this, though, so, so you know, of course, he lands at this... Um, at this station for a job and then it's like almost immediately things are not as advertised right right and you know you just get this sense that like he cannot trust these people um yeah (laughs) and and sure enough i like how he gets off and the guy comes up and says mando it's like does everyone in the universe know this mandalorian as mando (laughs) i think so because is that just how they talk to every mandalorian well, they seem to not go by their names, right? They're Mandalorians. And if you remember in those first couple episodes, they had established that, like, only one of them would go above ground at a time or, hmm. you know, out of their little headquarters, wherever it was at a time. And so I'm wondering if um, it's just a situation where, you know, since people are only seeing one Mandalorian at a time, yeah. they tend to just call them Mando. Oh. Um, so... It's interesting. I, I do want to find out more about, like, their culture. Like, do they all just leave their names behind when they put on the helmet and yeah. just become nondescript, you know, Mandalorians at, at that point? Well, not nondescript, but, you know, nameless Mandalorians at that point. That is interesting. And I love how this episode, again, shows how dang resourceful this guy is. Oh, yeah. And it's like, you do kind of expect him to, to win, but at the same time... He's got to take a beating first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a big beating first. Um, and so it, in a way, that gives him a, a little bit of a an underdog feeling to him, even though he is like this great, you know, amazing warrior. Yeah. It was really fun to watch him fight. Um, the, what's Clancy Brown's uh, alien called again? Uh, Deveronian. It was really fun to watch him in that fight with the Deveronian because mm-hmm. like, you know, for a couple of minutes there, it's like, oh, well, he's 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 a big trouble. Well, b- before we even get into all that, I mean, we have the whole team going through the the prison ship trying to get to the prisoner. You know, they're trying to find this valuable asset. And uh, there's that scene where uh, Berg just rushes those big, I don't know what they are, the big round cylindrical droids. And he picks the one up and slams it on the ground and, oh, picks that it up was and great. throws yeah. it again. So I think I think the moral of this story is that we love uh, Clancy Brown, mm-hmm. and he's awesome, and he was awesome in this role. <laughs> yeah. And really, yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch him do that. And um, and is there some sort of memo that I missed uh, in regards to having high level comedians sprinkled out throughout this entire show? I think that they're just recruiting uh, some of the best talent they can. And frankly, I am a huge fan of comedians becoming actors right. because I feel like uh, they, by the time that they're a successful comedian, they have already like mastered the range of human emotion. Right. And they're very good with timing and they're, you know, comedians, I mean, unless you're Robin Williams, I mean, I'm sure he did a lot of preparation too. But, like, nobody could just go on a riff like Robin Williams. Oh, yeah. So, like, unless you're him, um, you know, comedians are also very, very much uh, big preparers and in that sense uh, are always going to show up, like, ready to do the work. Because if you think about it, 
the way comedians have to work is they come up with an act and then they go out and perform it in front of audiences and they slowly have to mold their act from there right. to get it to the point where they are making everybody crack up the entire time. Yeah. And until they get to that point, you know, they got plenty of duds. Um, I remember watching some documentary. I can't remember what it was called, but it was about Jerry Seinfeld coming back to do like a new comedy oh, yeah. tour. Yeah. And it showed some of his like first performances with his new act. And then he would, like, tell a joke, and it wouldn't really land, and he would pull out his notepad and be like, oh, okay, well, I guess that one's a dud. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's what they do. So I'm, I'm a fan of them uh, doing that. Yeah, and Bill Burr's character, uh, Mayfeld, I love Bill Burr. I think he's hilarious, and I loved his character just because he had a couple zingers he threw out in typical Burr style. I want to point out at the beginning of the episode that joke about stormtroopers having bad aim, which we mentioned right. in our previous episode, <laughs> yeah. where he was like, yeah, I used to be a, uh, you know, an Imperial sharpshooter. And Mando goes, that's not, not saying, saying very much. much. <laughs> he goes, I wasn't a stormtrooper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, he had the joke about the, are you a, are you a Gungan under there? Right. <laughs> that was kind of, uh, you know, his. Yeah. And he his, had that. Uh, had that little gun that came up over his shoulder. That was cool. That was really cool. I that, that was. I really thought he cool. was one of the coolest, coolest uh, characters in this episode. Now I wanna I wanna talk about um, the other the other character in this episode. Um, Thinking of the Twi'lek, uh, Shion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the twi- the Twi'lek Shion. So her character represented some more information about the Mandalorian's backstory a little bit. It's just little things peppered in here and there, you know? Yeah. But but the thing is, so first of all, she was apparently there when he was part of that other guy's crew a long time ago. But it also made me think, like, first of all, how old is the Mandalorian? Do they live, like, longer than, like, regular humans for some reason? Because that guy seemed like he was at least in his 50s, and he was like, oh yeah, when we were young, we ran with this Mandalorian. Yeah. But like now he's really old and fat. No judgment, well, I'm that, just saying. That can like, happen in five ma- years, you know. You can get old and fat in five years. <laughs> that's true. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened. I mean, but then, I've but then, managed to do it in less than a lifetime of Baby Yoda. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but like then... When they're on Mando's ship, the Razor Crest, great name for a ship, she says uh, when they're trying to like learn more about the Mandalorian before the point where they try and pull off his helmet, uh, she says something like, "Ask him about the job on Alzok three. Hmm. and he and he says, "Well, I did what I had to do." And she basically comes back and is like, "You enjoyed it. I know who you really are." And that was really interesting because on one hand, did he enjoy it? Yeah. Or, or on the other hand, is that just her perception of what went on, or maybe she's even just taunting him? You know. Yeah, because then the, the following line, they're like uh, something about the fact that he never takes his mask off. Well, that's yeah, and that's when they try and pull it off, yeah. and he is able to resist that, and then they're you know distracted by Baby Yoda. But the thing is, in that interaction between Shean and and him and and the rest of the mercenaries there. Like, that got me, like, really thinking about the Mandalorian and is like, was he, like, a lot shadier in the past? Or is that just her taunting him? Or maybe that's just her twisted perception of it. Is that something that got you thinking about him? Or, like, what's your reaction to that? Yeah, it's like they keep just peppering in little, they're 
not even full secrets. They're just like, there's something else. It's not even they're peppering in secrets as to what we're going to learn about him. They're just pointing out more stuff that we don't know about him that they're mm-hmm. not going to tell us right now. You know, it's just like, <laughs> oh, here's something else you're going to want to know. Here's something else you're going to want to know. But we don't know if or when they're ever going to tell us. Well, I think it's uh, – I, I really like the way that they're sort of giving us little hints about his backstory here and there. His backstory, the culture of the Mandalorians, the way, like all that stuff. I love – I so I guess what I'm saying is, and this might be a little bit of writer jargon, but they are delivering the exposition about his backstory, I think, in a really effective way mm-hmm. because, you know – a lot of times when movies don't handle it well, it becomes an info dump where somebody just like has a monologue about the information for no reason that fits in with the story. Right. And that is definitely not what they're doing here. So I, I just really appreciate that. So yeah, so what so what other like did, notable moments from the whole like prison break did did you know really hit home for you? Overall, I thought this was one of my favorite episodes so far, just because in our last episode uh, depending on when you hear this, I can't remember how it's going to be released. But we talked about the whole Ocean's Eleven Star Wars thing. <laughs> oh right. Yeah. Our, and, and okay, is, so you're you're referring to some of the pitches we made in our Star Wars yeah. pitch episode, which will air after we release uh, this one. After we release this episode, okay. so, for every, so for everybody listening to our podcast, we do have an episode coming out that is uh, us and a couple of guests from other podcasts pitching new. Star Wars live action shows that we would love to see made. So that's what he's referring to. Right. And uh, basically, when I was watching, re-watching the episode today, I kind of got the feel that this this almost kind of has a feel of an Ocean's Eleven, except instead of Eleven people trying to, you know, pull the thing off and so everyone profits, it's like... Mm -hmm. Everyone's kind of doing it for themselves, but they all have to play their role just in the right way, just so they can betray everyone else. Because <laughs> right. that's what happens. Like I mentioned <laughs> uh, in our a couple episodes regarding this show, I brought up the you know theme of like betrayal, and this episode is nothing but betrayal upon betrayal. But it's like betrayalception. It's really part of the. I think the the Western DNA that's in this show, because you know he lives in kind of a, a rundown, frontier esque, cynical type of uh, world, you know, setting, mm-hmm. and even even like the old friend who hires him after many years sends him on a mission with a bunch of people who are going to try and you know lock him in a in a prison and leave him for dead, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, but he perseveres. Yeah. In fact, I love. Well, we'll get to the end when we uh, when we talk about it. Right. But um, it was a fun little cast of characters, you know, these mercenaries. And I thought that I thought that um, Shean, uh, played by um, Natalia Tina, mm-hmm. was deliciously mm-hmm. um, yeah evil, if you want to mm-hmm. put it that way. <laughs> she she just she really brought a relish. And a passion to that role that made her really entertaining to watch. And I also love how each of the characters had a very distinctive, like, sort of skill set and combat capability. Right. You know, so she had those, like, little knives that, like, it, it seemed like she even, like, activated them at some point. Yeah, like, she was like Danny she was Trejo in uh, 
what was that? Desperado? Oh. Where he's got all the knives. It's like, I don't know if that's even possible to throw knives that well in real life. But, uh, no, yeah, that was, that was pretty cool when they were doing that little fight between them two. And then at the end, they get up and they're in their fisticuffs. And then the scene cuts mm-hmm. with him holding her with his knife to her throat. One of the fun things about it was that, you know, the Mandalorian ends up taking each of them on in turn. Mm-hmm. And it, it was great to see him sort of take some hits, but yet, you know, overcome them by way of his, like, amazing skill and, uh, you know, armor and everything ultimately at the end. So it's like, on one hand, he's got to go up against, like, massive brute force with this one guy. Yeah. And then he has to go up against her. She's, like, super agile and quick and throws these little knives, you know, and, like, gets him with one in the shoulder. And then, of course, the last guy, uh, Bill Burr, he's a sharpshooter. So he's got to approach him in a certain way that doesn't allow him to get a shot off. Right. And it was so funny because, like you mentioned earlier, it's like in each flash of light, you'd see him just get closer and closer and closer. And then Burr... Uh, he knows. He knows he's caught. He's like, nah, mm-hmm. and turns around, and that's that. And part of the horror movie element, you know, honestly, was the fact that like suddenly it, it, the situation turns around, and it's these backstabbing mercenaries locked in like this prison ship with the Mandalorian coming for them, right. and they not they don't know where from exactly. or exactly how, and it's like he's he's the monster stalking them at that point. Yeah, no, that's you that's know? so perfect because the first when you first mentioned the word horror, I knew exactly where you were coming from, but while mm-hmm. I was watching it, my brain never clicked over to that. But uh, now, just rewatching it again in my brain, it's like, oh, yeah, it's so good how they pulled that off, and if they didn't plan that to come out on Friday the 13th. I'm sure they did. Yeah. You know, I'm if, sure if they, they did. didn't, they're silly gooses. Yeah. I really enjoy that that sort of nod to the horror genre. I mean, it didn't go full horror movie. Right. Um, but I wouldn't expect it to because it, it is basically a Western. I mean, it's a space Western. So I just really appreciated that. And I think that it just, it just kind of further solidifies my opinion that that you can branch out a little bit more in the Star Wars setting with some things in some different genres and stuff. Yeah, as long as it as long as we don't get musicals, <laughs> that should be all right. Oh, yeah, that I think that would be a a, a couple bridges too far. Yeah. to get into a musical. Uh, let's see. We talked about Berg. We talked about Xion. We talked about Mayfield. Uh, we didn't talk about Zero, who was the droid. That's good because I wanted to get to him next. Um, first of all, I mean, you can feel the 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 Mandalorians like total mistrust for this thing and like every scene he shares with well him. yeah everyone says every episode how much he hates droids and supposedly this entire uh prison ship is manned by nothing but droids yeah so that's actually a great thing to talk about so oh, okay a couple things because i'm glad you brought up the droid thing so first of all you know he has that reaction when they first see him and then you know there's that first fight in the hallway where he takes out like every single droid and it's funny because once the the droids are uh, engaged with him, like uh, Mayfeld holds everybody else back from helping, right? Which at the time I was like, man, that's a real dick move. But later in the episode, I realized, oh, well, that's because they really didn't care if he got killed, right? In that moment, right? So that was real interesting. But what I, one of the most entertaining mo- single moments for me of the episode was like right after that, when he's like standing there over the droids that he just killed, uh-huh. and they all kind of walk by him dismissively. 
and what's his face even like bumps into him clancy uh clancy's character berg yeah but, and and like he even though you can't see his face this is such a testament to, to pedro pascal's acting is like he kind of like slumps and like the way his head cocks to the side he's like god god damn it i can't you guys it's like really <laughs> yeah really exactly. give me a break that was such that was a great moment of acting from Pedro Pascal. Like he does such a phenomenal job considering that you'd never see an inch of his skin or his face. Right. Like he's amazing. I keep looking at his gloves and he's got those like black gloves, but the fingers I keep thinking are his actual fingers, but it's just like that leather, like a tan right. like tan leather. Right. So what what were you gonna say about Zero though? Oh, I just figured we'd touch on him since uh, we hadn't talked about it. I thought he was a cool droid. I, it was interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I he, liked him. He was mm-hmm. played by uh, Richard, and this is another thing I wanted to bring, bring up, uh, Richard Ayoda. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know if okay. that's the proper pronunciation, but if you look at it and sound it out, his last name is <laughs> Ayoda. Ayoda. Oh, that's, really? That's great. Mm. Um, what, one of the moments that I also loved was when... You know, all this is going down, and the Mandalorian is coming after his, you know, betrayers mm-hmm. at this point. And Zero, like, turns around, and, like, baby Yoda is there, just, like, yeah. standing there in the cockpit staring at him. And I and for, and for then and then he, like, he you know, looks back at hand. the display, and he looks back again, and baby Yoda's gone. And oh, I yeah. said, um, <laughs> as this, as right after that happened, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, my God, is baby Yoda going to Chucky this droid? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Just see him flying through the air. Yeah. But of course, you know, no, he... Um, he instead uses the Force to uh, make uh, Zero explode from within. Well, no, he he was about to. Like, so Zero Shh. finally catches him in his little cubby hole or right. whatever it is. And then he holds up his hand like he's going to do a Force thing. And then he, like, shorts out and falls down. Well, then, but it yeah, was really the, Ma- the Mandalorian shooting him. Yeah. And so I love that moment when the Baby Yoda looks at his hand like, did I just do that? Yeah. <laughs> And it's like I was expecting something to happen too, so I'm like, "Oh my god, it worked!" Oh no, it didn't. Yeah. You know? But so this is so this actually brought up another question though uh, that I want to get your your thoughts on because mm-hmm. so the fact that he didn't end up doing anything with the force to the droid in this moment does that mean that he that he doesn't have quite the control the consistent control of the force? I, that, that's that is exactly or, what I was thinking. I think or yeah. Because it's like he tried. It looked like he tried to heal Mando's arm in like the first episode or second episode. Yeah. Um, and like maybe he needed an extra minute to like get it together so that he could use the Force, or maybe it's just that you know, because it, it could have just been when he used it to save the Mandalorian in that in that second episode. You know, maybe it was just more of an extraordinary situation where he was able to get the blood pumping and. You know, get well, that. Well, that was him saving someone else's life. I would think if he was in direct, yeah. you know, line of fire, that would be even more of a reason for him to. Use. So I don't know. Like you said, maybe he's uh, not properly uh, attuned. You I'm know? gonna guess that if he had like an extra couple of seconds, he could have sent the droid like hurtling backwards, you know, through the cockpit. Right. But the Mando just the Mandalorian just beat him. Too. Yeah, that's I'm, what I'm, I'm glad they with. didn't do that because I really don't want to see. But it did uh, make me think. Little... I mean, he's not exactly a Jedi Master. I mean, he's got obviously some some powerful Force ability, but I I would venture to say that it's not as refined as if he had been through a lifetime of like say Jedi training. Right. So so that was interesting. And I love, loved, loved the final 
uh, double cross of the mm. double crossers at the end where like he finds that uh, New Republic tracker on him. Right. Because because for a second I got really worried. He's like, all right, go get him. And that like fighter ship comes up and it yeah. looked pretty badass. I mean, and they already established that the Mandalorian ship was like half falling apart right. <laughs> at this point. So you got to wonder, you know, if he can get out of it. But then suddenly they find the tracker and I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was so funny because he's just flying away and then you see the uh, three X-Wings, you know, warp in. And uh, I didn't write their names down. I could probably look it up. But those three X-Wing pilots were directors of prior episodes, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which was pretty funny. Yep. Yep. And they come up on the ship. It was was Dave Filoni Mm -hmm. and Deborah Chow, Chow, right? Yep. And then uh, and was, was it Rick uh, Fem, uh, Femuyua? I think so. No, Femuyua. No, because Rick Femuyua is a Nigerian American director. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it was nice that they gave them. You know, they allowed them to be the X-wing pilots. That was really cool. So, but that was just it was such a satisfying ending. Is like the the people that really deserve their comeuppance really got their comeuppance. Right. And- um. And I love how he le- he didn't kill the other ones. He just left them to rot in the prison. Like, that was amazing. Yeah, Xi'an uh, is, or Xi'an, mm-hmm. she's still alive. And then, basically... Well, uh, they all are. They're all still alive, except for the droid, except for Zero. Well, they didn't show any... No, they showed them all. They, they? they were, when Xi'an, that, that last shot of them was, like, Xi'an was at the, at the like, the, the, the bars door. of yeah. the cell. And then she, like, moved away, and you could see them all, the rest of them, back there behind her. Oh, I didn't. I thought it was just her. Nope, nope, it was all of them in there. Okay. Um, and it looked like the other one, like, it looked like um, the other ones were, like, just waking up or something. Okay. Um, so so he just killed uh, Ran, who was the head mm-hmm. of the, the group. And then to top it all off, back in the cockpit of the Razor Crest, he, pu- he twists off that little ball again uh-huh. and gives it to Baby Yoda. Yeah. And then he goes, I told you this was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I just... I, like something about this show, it just feels really well thought out, and the writing is just on point all of the time. I know there are some people that disagree with me because they think these are like filler episodes. Respectfully, I disagree. So, um, but uh, I just, I just love it. On that topic, if they're not progressing the story with Yoda, and they do have. Like in the uh, they will by the end episode of four this where we met Gina Carano, mm-hmm. she's gonna come back. You know, she's definitely coming back, and we still have yet to see a character that was revealed in some of the trailers, mm-hmm. uh, played by uh, Giancarlo Esposito, uh, who you would remember good. from you know Breaking, Breaking Bad, Bad and a bunch of other things. He's amazing, yeah, uh, and he's playing a character called Moff Gideon, so mm. he's very high ranking uh, member of what's left of the Empire or you know, maybe the primordial first order. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing him as well. And yeah, you know Gina Carano is going to come back. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, at some point, it may not be this season. If it is this season, it'll be in the final episode of this season, or it may be next season. But I'm telling you, they're going to do like a team-up episode where he goes back and he recruits like a team himself to go like save the baby Yoda or something. I'm I'm predicting it now. I'm calling it now. Yeah, that's that's why I think... That's like I mentioned earlier, that's kind of like building a team for something. But it's like, 
I think in this episode, he just made himself more enemies, or maybe are... It's, well, they were enemies he already had, I think. <laughs> well, well, But they do hate him worse now. Yeah, Xi'an hated him for locking up her brother, so he repaid her double cross by locking her up and killing her brother. <laughs> well, no, I don't think the Mandalorian was responsible for her brother getting locked up. He, they just hired him to help free him. I can't remember what he Because remember right, at the right beginning when the, when right the, when the job was up, described he said to something. Him. Well, he knew the guy yeah. from before. Like, he must have been on that old crew, but at the beginning of the episode, when he got the job, the guy explained that one of their guys had run afoul of yeah. yada yada and got captured. Hey, I'm not against watching it a third time to pick up more. <laughs> Me neither, especially at but 30 minutes. one of the things uh, we have not covered is actually one of my favorite scenes from the whole episode oh, is... Remember, they're on the prison ship that's totally run by droids, and then oh, the guy, they get yeah. through into the command or the control center room with the security guy, who's the human, Dave. Dave. His name was Davin, I think. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it, you had that he didn't want to give up the. That's a good point. The control, and that, that's when he pulled out the uh, little tracking fob. Yeah. And again, uh, that shows the honor of the Mandalorian, right? Because he was like, wait, it was supposed to be all droids. And they're like, you know, it was like, we're not killing anybody. And yeah. then I think Bill Burr's character, Mayfeld, said, the hell we aren't, or something like that, right? Uh, it was something like, look, no one has to get hurt here. Just work with us and you can have the rest of your life. And Bill Burr's like, oh, the hell he will. Yeah. And then it, he they started bitching back and forth at each other and then one of the other guys said something and then it turned into a reservoir dog style you know (laughs) mexican standoff mexican standoff in the garage and i thought that was so cool and then she flicks her little knife out and kills the guy but not before he uh pushed yeah i really like that scene because it it also you know it just drives home that this mandalorian character is more human than any of these backstabbing uh mercenaries and I, I love, look, I mean, even though he participates in some shady activity, he keeps his word, mm-hmm. and he is not wantonly cruel. He's not cruel at all. He just is very businesslike about everything, and he's a professional. Right. And he doesn't want to kill people unless, I mean, the only time he really kills anyone is when they're trying to kill him, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I mean, um, See, that's the thing, too, because I originally thought, I didn't recognize that Berg and Mayfeld were still in the cell with Shion at the end. So I was like, oh, now she's going to be the next enemy that he just made. But now that all three of them are still there, I wonder if maybe they'll have a change of heart since he had a change of heart and left them alive. Oh, no, they're just going to be... In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if we see them again, like, next season or in season three or something, and they come back and they're like, surprise, we got you. Yeah, and then they'll they'll get stuck in some situation where there's a greater mutual enemy, and they have to begrudgingly work together, you know? Mm, Yeah, that's possible. Like, maybe they they have to save him so they can all survive. Maybe. Uh, I mean, I I would... my assumption would be it'd be more likely that I, I think it's more likely that when they meet again, they'll just be trying to kill him. Maybe they'll have a common goal for like a short amount of time. But then as soon as that's over, I, I see them totally just trying to kill him again. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, personally, that's what I think. But um, but yeah. So okay, uh, this has been this has been a pretty fun conversation. What what are your final thoughts on this episode, The Prisoner, episode um, six? Well, like I said, I can't really predict what's going to happen in the story because. They're not leaving us with anything at the end of these episodes. It's just like... Look, I think that the client's uh, minions are going to show up. Uh, some heavy stuff is going to go down, and they are probably going to take the baby Yoda from him, and then it will become a thing. Now, whether that happens next episode, I don't know, but I think it's probably more likely to happen in the season finale to give us a big cliffhanger. Yeah, that's the cliffhanger is baby Right, Yoda's. and then that way possibly the first like several episodes of the second season are him gathering his team yeah possibly either that or um the client's gonna come back in this episode do his dastardly deed we're gonna get introduced to uh the gunslinger with the things on his boots who some people are saying that might have been Giancarlo Esposito um Oh, right, the guy tracking it. Yeah, and maybe the, the final uh, cliffhanger will be Baby Yoda suddenly unlocking another, you know, power in the Force and going... Yeah. And everyone's like, whoa! And then rolls There's, credits. They are definitely going to advance the Baby Yoda client storyline in the season finale. There's right. no way they don't do that. There's no way they don't do that. Yeah. So, and, you know, maybe even starting in the next episode. I'm really curious because also, you know, that episode's coming out on Wednesday. Right. The 18th. So, because there's apparently that sneak peek or that tie-in or whatever it is to Rise of Skywalker, which comes out this Friday. So Now, is, really it, is it just like a sneak peek? Like they're going to have an extra scene after the show? Be, it's not yeah, going to be something probably... in the story that connects to... I don't think it'll be anything in the Mandalorian story. I think it will definitely be like an extra trailer or like a scene from the movie or something. Yeah. That's what it, and, po and possibly like the filmmakers like talking about it and hyping it up a little bit. That's that, what it'll be. That's another thing too. It's like uh, yesterday they had that Fortnite uh, event where basically right. they had this whole like little level and there's a stage and uh, what's his face? Um J.J. Abrams. J.J. Abrams. Who is directing Rise of Skywalker. Right. They uh, kind of had him, his little avatar, show up on screen, and they were talking about uh, a new scene that they were going to show from Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to give you links to that, because I mentioned it on our episode mm -hmm. casts, or the, uh, whatever you want to call it, the, uh, pitching the episodes, live action, pitching yeah, movies, live shows, or whatever, pitches, yeah. and... Uh, that obviously won't be heard until after all of this. So Yeah, yeah, send me that. I wonder um, if so... it's the same thing or if it's a different scene. Maybe they're going to throw little scenes from Star Wars in all these different places. Yeah, so let's, let's sum up. What are your final thoughts about this episode? Like I said, I really like this episode. I actually like it more now that Bill Burr did not die in it. Because <laughs> I liked his character. It'll be real interesting, interesting to see how Sheehan and Berg come back. And uh, characters. yeah, it was it was a cool little ragtag team of misfits. And like I said, it's kind of hard to know where Mandalorian's going to fly into in the opening scenes of the next episode. Could be anywhere. Could be somewhere we're familiar with. Hopefully, it's not Hoth. 
I think that th- I think that there will be something about the client in the next episode. Yeah. I do, but I don't think that shit, shit's really going to hit the fan until the season finale. That's right. my prediction. So we'll have to see how that pans out. But um, my final thoughts: Yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I love the little horror <laughs> genre mm-hmm. nods, you know, that they put in there that we talked about. Um, I thought that was great and totally appropriate for a Friday the Thirteenth episode. I had a lot of fun with it. I really liked. I was really entertained by all those mercenary characters. Mm-hmm. I love that, you know, they got their comeuppance at the end. That was very satisfying. And it it was also cool seeing the X-Wings because that tells you that the Galactic Republic, you know, the New Republic after, you know, Return of the Jedi and the Fall of the Empire, you know, they're doing stuff. Now, they might not have— They still got their shit together, though. Well, you know, they might not have, like, a heavy presence in every corner of the galaxy, but they have somebody. Right. You know, and they have like reinforcements, you know, waiting to uh, light speed over and take care of business. So it's just an interesting look at the post empire state of the galaxy because it is kind of the Wild West in a way. It's very much like a frontier and a lot of lawlessness. But the New Republic is is doing its best and slowly sort of growing in power. So I just find that interesting as like a world building note. Yeah. And uh, I really loved... Yeah, I just I just love seeing the Mandalorian in action because despite the fact that he's this amazing warrior, what makes him an underdog is the fact that the odds are always stacked oh, against, yeah, way him. against him. Oh yeah, against him. And not even like a little bit against him, like 10 to 1 against him. Right. <laughs> like at least, you know what I mean? It's so, like everyone in this episode tried to kill him. Yeah, and so I just so I I love that about it and uh you know, I I don't see this as a filler episode. I feel like it gave us I'm enjoying the way that it's giving us information about the setting in this time period. Mm-hmm. I really love that. And uh, also, I feel like we can see his relationship with Baby Yoda developing further in the sense that they feel closer now than they did, even, you know, an episode or two ago. Yeah. And because now he's, like, handing him ca- very casually that thing as a toy and, like, making remarks to him, like, right. I told you that was a bad idea. Yeah. You know, whereas before he would just, like, pick him up and, like, hold him away from him and, like, set him down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he, he's actually handling being punted around quite well for a baby. <laughs> yeah, <he is. laughs> That one scene where he gets, like, thrown to the floor. You're like, ooh! <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was... Uh... That was good stuff. So, okay. So those those are my final thoughts on the episode. Really enjoyed it. Jess, do you want to give our listeners the uh, the uh, the quick social media links before we go? I sure do. Uh, thanks again for listening, Poindexters. As you know, since you're listening to us now, uh, our podcast can be found pretty much anywhere, including Apple Podcasts, Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google. The list goes on. You can contact us at mechadragon.net. And if you're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, on Facebook we are Mecha Dragon, Twitter and Instagram at Mecha Dragon Show, and email us at mechadragonshow at gmail.com with questions, comments, corrections, or topics. And we will see you in the next episode of The Mecha Dragon. Good day. Thanks for listening, everybody. Captain Will signing out. Our music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0, creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 3.0.